Welcome back to the Adrian Bow podcast featuring Troy Malcolm. AB, we caught up last week with uh, Michael Tringali out of our Inner West office. And thank you to all the listeners that came back with their positive uh, recommendations and referrals to Mr. Haberfield and what he's achieved in the market. Uh, we got a lot of insights, Adrian, about team structure, about working in a tougher market, about seeing that transition from just being a transactional agent to really developing that hyper-local knowledge. And today's uh, interviewee is no different. Someone that not only is successful in their own right, is the epitome of what we would say a McGrath agent, represents the brand both in appearance, in style, in branding, and what their clients consistently give back as feedback is that they're above uh, and beyond the expectation of their service level. And it's none other than uh, our specialist out of the ride office, uh, Mr. Michael Dowling. Michael, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. AB, when we sat down, we spoke about our wish list of key agents we wanted to interview. Michael was consistently at the top of both our lists, and every time we tried to find out out how we could get Michael onto the podcast, you were like, no, let's just make it work. Let's just make it happen because you wanted him to share his insights about what makes him so successful. Absolutely. And great uh, to be here, Mike, with you. So thanks for joining us. Thanks so I suppose um, to, to kick off with, you know, our audience are obviously real estate practitioners and many of them aspirational uh, in terms of getting to the level you are in your career, um, both sort of personally and professionally. And I say professionally in the sense that you're running your own business and running your own business looks like many things for many different people. Um your business is you as the lead agent and a market dominant person in the ride area, along with Stefan, another lead agent in, in the McGrath office. Um, and under you, you have two very, very skilled associate agents and then a EA or sort of team manager or general manager, if you like, who handles all the marketing, etc. So, um, you know, how does it work in terms just on a day, week and monthly basis just from a point of view of catch-ups, because I just want to get an idea for listeners of, you know, is there a lot involved in terms of meeting as a team uh, and are everyone in their lanes and specialised with what they're doing um, and what is the communication piece just on a, on a weekly and a monthly basis just so we get a bit of an appetite of what that rhythm looks like? Yeah, sure. So, so first of all, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on here. Um, I think the first thing that I did at the start uh, overall was making sure that I set out the, the strict guidelines as far as job descriptions, yep. as far as the team, because I believe in having the right people in the right roles and making sure people aren't swimming outside of their lines. Yes. Uh, I used to be a swimmer, so I know exactly what that means, but some people might not. But the key is is making sure that people do the job that they've got a task and not not sort of heading into another direction. So, yes. so every week we'll sit down and, and we've got basically agendas. So we went, we meet Wednesday mornings because we've got our open homes on, on the Wednesday. Okay. So we want to make sure we're prepared for the Wednesday and Saturday. What time do you guys meet? Uh, we met seven thirty in the morning. Good. How yeah. long does that meeting go for? Uh, roughly about an hour, give okay. or take. Yeah, right. it could be just under or just over. And what's the agenda? Let's just run through that. So first of all, on the Wednesday, we'll go through any active offers uh, or interest from the Saturday before that we're still trying to get over the line. Um, so any any interest that we're trying to close, and that's generally a discussion between Chris, Johnny, and myself. Mm-hmm. Um, as you touched on, Chris and Johnny, they handle a lot of buyer management in my team, um, and basically different properties. So one of those agents will be on one property another agent will be on the other property. So, 
So they, they know what their roles are in, in that key role. Um, so that's the first agenda we touched on is offers and interests. Uh, then we work on the schedule for the open homes on the Wednesday and the Saturday, right. uh, who's going to be handling what, who's going to be opening, closing and so on. Um, and then we sort of work on, I, I call it your top three in each category. So top three sales we need to make over the next seven days and top three properties we each need to list over the next seven days. Brilliant. So I I'd kind of like to break it down weekly because if we – I've got my monthly list of who I want to try and target and list that month mm-hmm. um, and, and obviously the properties we need to sell. But what I find is that people can get too off track in regards to all these listings they're chasing. But if you just nail it down to the, the key three that you're trying to chase then and there, then we sit down in that week and we go, okay, well, what three what three things are going to help us list that one property? Love and it. if Johnny and Chris are having sort of a bit of obstacles or, or a few things they can't overcome, mm-hmm. then I'll, I'll help them out with that in that meeting. That's beautiful. Uh, any other agenda items on that meeting? Um, that's pretty much the key for that one. Okay. Uh, on Saturdays, we also meet before our before our day starts. Yep. So we meet on, on 7.30 to 8 o'clock on Saturday and we're not too strict on time because we've got yep. to put the signs out and things like that. Yep. But um, we like to meet and go through, uh, I, I call it Saturday role play. Yes. Um, I think I used to play sport and I, I believe in warming up before you before you go out there and, and sort of have a big game or, or something like that. Yeah. And I find that open homes are when people are, are out and about and they're actively pursuing the right agent to list with or, mm-hmm. or if they're if they're a buyer like we've had a few recently that are sick of searching and they're at an auction registered, you want to make sure you can get that buyer over the line mm. um, so that they can get their Saturdays back. So I think role plays on a Saturday is really good for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll go through that, but we'll also go through what buyers we're expecting to turn up to certain open homes and how we're going to get those buyers closed and into the office that Saturday afternoon as well. Brilliant. Okay. So we've got two meetings per week that take place. Yeah. What about on a monthly review? I know myself, you, John McGrath and your whole team do like a planning session. Is that your meeting as a month or do you do something else as well? So I have a I have a meeting separate, I suppose, um, with Sarah and also Chris and Johnny. So with Chris and Johnny, we call it a monthly planning session where we've got a monthly activity sheet that we'll fill in and they've got their own and I've got mine and, and on that sheet we'll put all the listings that we're chasing, all the sales we've got booked in and auctions we've got booked in. Yeah. Um, and we want to make sure that our sheets sort of mirror each other, make sure we understand what the next goal is for that month as well. And um, that's a very brief and quick meeting. We usually sort of do it over a lunch um, and it might be a 30-minute session. Um, the more important one is with Sarah. I'll catch up with Sarah and basically just touch on where things are up to as far as her job description and, and uh, what else can she sort of improve to make sure we can get her to the next level. Um, recently, for example, we've got her now prospecting a little bit as well. So not only is she the executive assistant in the team and, and the rudder in the ship, so to speak, but she's also now act- actively sort of calling some clients and touching base and, and just getting that skill set up because we freed up her time a little bit of recent. I love it. Okay. So I'm just going back, Troy, and unpacking that. I look at the Wednesday meeting and I look at one of those agenda items, which was what are the top three things we can do towards getting that property listed, right? Yeah. That's gold. So what would be an example of that? Would it be inviting that pipeline vendor to an auction? Would it be sending him a recent SAR? What would it be? Yeah, well, I find, first of all, having three people there, and this even happens in my, my listings yeah. as well, like I've, I've We've got to be careful as agents that we're not naive in thinking we're perfect. So yeah. I might be trying to sort of challenge myself to get a listing and then 
Chris doesn't know that client as good as me or, or whatever. Mm. And if I mention that listing or, or what I've done up until that point, yeah. Chris might turn around and go, oh, have you done this yet? Yes. Or have you done this? And yeah. I think um, like a few key things is creative follow-up. Uh, mm. That's one thing that Stefan and I have been great with over the mm. years because um, I think a, a normal follow-up call to say, are you ready to list yet, just doesn't work. I yes. think we've been really good at getting the client to a certain point where they understand without signing the paperwork that they are selling with us, but subliminally we've still got to get them to sign the paperwork. Yes. So that's that's yeah, the keys in that meeting. I love that creative follow-up. So that that is rather than just asking the question, which is obvious, have you made a decision yet? It's more about adding value, providing information, yeah, that's correct. So it could be, like you said before, it could be getting them down to one of those open homes. It could be if you've got a key auction that weekend that you want them to come down to that could be around the corner. Um, it could be a case study that wasn't there two weeks ago that's just been there. Uh, like this morning I called mm-hmm. up a client that I'm trying to chase. They didn't attend an auction on the weekend and I got the buyer up 125000 mm-hmm. um, and they they bid at a really good strong bid on top of themselves by 100000 mm. Now, that owner wasn't at that auction, but it would have been really good if he was there. Mm. Because he wasn't there doesn't mean I can't tell the story. Exactly. So I just touched point this morning, told him the story, and, and they're really excited, and we've rebooked them back in for Thursday now. So, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And then what I'm hearing, sorry, Troy, is the Saturday role play. So basically that metaphor that Michael used, which was, I believe, in warming up before getting on the field. Yeah. So what my translation piece is, well, what happens if you don't warm up and then run on the field, you get injured, mm-hmm. okay? So here what we're saying is let's role play what Saturday is going to look like. Guess what? Because our injury is a stuff-up that's going to occur on the day and the beneficiaries or the, the unfortunate side effect of stuff-up is that clients are, are, are let down, Team members are frazzled. Um, an auction uh, board isn't put up on time. You know, registrations don't occur, occur effectively or efficiently. So all these things, I actually love that visualisation piece because that's what you're doing. Mm. You're actually warming up so you don't get injured. Therefore, you're role-playing it to start with so the day goes to like military precision, right? Yeah. Because Saturday is showtime and guess what? We are, we are, we are on show. That's yeah. what it's all about, Troy. Yeah, Adrian. The, the the point that you made there about the the practicing more than we play, uh, the warm up before the Saturday yeah. is something that's so crucial, and we've spoken about it a number of times on this podcast. So, the forgotten art of role play, I think, is incredibly important to any agent that wants to be successful. And success leaves clues. Like Michael's been doing this since two thousand and six. He's owned his own business. He's now working effectively with a team of five. Um, you know, if you include uh, working with Chris and Johnny, and that being part of your EBU structure. Mm. The thing, the question that I always have for you, Michael, or the question I want to ask you is the fact that you have processes for everything and you never leave anything to chance. Like I've heard um, stories and witnessed personally that anyone in your team will have developed that hyper-local knowledge and hyper-property knowledge about every single detail that a buyer may ask mm. because there's some point in time where a buyer may come in and speak to Sarah or speak to Chris. If they don't know the answer to something, that's a moment in time lost. Mm. And I know that that's really incredibly important for you to make sure the process is followed. So if they ask is there an easement across the backyard or can I put a pool in the backyard or is there a Foxtel connection? You make sure that the property information is up to date and every single team member that represents your personal brand does that effectively. Is that something that you learned by a mistake or is that something that you've always had a strong strategy since you launched your own business? Yeah, I think a little bit of both. I think there's been certain times many years ago where yeah, you might have made a few mistakes and not had the right answers for the, the clients at the time and if you did have the right answers, 
then that client could have bought the property then and there. So I think you do learn by mistakes just naturally. But um, then obviously one of the key things about learning is implementing. Yeah. So making sure that you implement the right steps in regards to to improving um, that knowledge. And I think one thing we do is the role plays, but having having transparent fact sheets at our open homes, having transparency around um, every, every bit of information around that, that area is key. Um, we've got what we call sort of radius for selling as well because I don't think, like if I was to take a property on which was five suburbs outside of my core suburb, I'm not the best agent for that particular property because I'm not the person that knows the local school principal or I'm not the best person who knows the bus routes and, and things like that. So I think if we stay true to what we're, what we're sort of specialised in, then the, the knowledge, we don't have to go into Google to find that out. It just comes to us because we've learned that well now. Yeah, and you're a big advocate of referring. Like I know that whenever I come and do an auction for you, there's always like, oh, this was referred from another McGrath team member and we've actually referred that one out. Like I know that that's a big thing for your business as well, yeah. using the McGrath network to its advantage and having those like-minded high-performance agents uh, that you can trust to refer a property onto. Yeah, 100%. I think that's the best part about McGrath is that you can go three suburbs over, four suburbs over and – you still sort of make sure that the client is looked after because you know that the agent that's going to be helping them is, is yeah, a prestige agent. We are just talking about Pete McCorney before. Uh, I just referred one to Pete McCorney last week in, in Castle He's booked him in this week to, to go and meet with them. Uh, I've never met the person, never spoke to them, but um, basically the email inquiry reply, which I've got set up in my system, um, that's got all the details from that lead in regards to that person. And then I've basically flicked it over to Pete I know that client's going to be looked after and I don't have to worry about chasing them myself or get one of my team members to, to call them. It's only three suburbs away, but he's, he's going to handle it perfectly. It's brilliant, Troy. And, you know, as, as it's been well publicised, um, you know, 25% of my income for 25 years came from internal referrals through the McGrath network, whether it's interstate or in a different regional district. Um, and that's something that is reciprocated, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that... Karen Terry and Stephen Bock, 30% of their business is also internal referrals, right? So uh, it's a terrific um, uh, endorsement, if you like, for your colleagues. Um, one thing Troy touched on, Mike, which which I just want to um, briefly go back to, was the fact that you, you did come as a principal of an office into now what you are a principal of an EBU. Um, it's just that at the moment, your team is a very manageable team because it's you've got direct access to, to three or four people rather than worrying about operating expenses um, and front office managers and photocopiers and human resources, etc. We've had a lot of people on this podcast and, and we've thrashed this out a few times and it's unanimous that unless you've got scale in a business like real estate it's very hard to to extract profit you know whereby an ebu structure like yours can actually be extremely profitable um what have you found with the transition from being say a, a principal of a franchise owned business to now a principal of your own ebu where you've got full autonomy um what are what are the what are the advantages that you've found and also being part of the McGrath network and having um, direct access to all the resources? Well, I think that's a big thing that you just touched on is access to all the resources. You, with McGrath, you don't need to you don't need to own your own company and, and reinvent the wheel. It's it's all there for you. So so having an EBU and and obviously the job descriptions that each of my team members do, 
that's that's basically where the, the buck stops as far as being a manager and I get to focus on what my skill set is, which is listing and selling. And that's, I think, the big key. You can sort of, like, like you guys, I can pick up the phone and I can call Troy, I can call Adrian, I can call John McGrath and, and have a quick chat if I'm having issues or if I need coaching or if I need access to the right agent in the right area to learn something else. Um, that that you don't have to worry about. And I, I think... That's, that can't be underestimated as well because I, I think from a managing an office point of view, having 20, 25 staff and continual headaches and, and not worrying about that next property you're going to list and sell, that's not where the, the immediate income is going to be. Mm. It's so true, Troy, and we've spoken to people about this quite often in that, okay, someone's got a really fine skill set, which is to call a bunch of people on the phone and have excellent phone skills and then meet a bunch of people, call it face-to-face, um, and they're buyers and sellers and actually placing them one step further towards either buying a property or listing their mm. property for sale. So in Michael's case, what he's saying is while he is active in his career, that is his highest and best use all day long, okay? Um Yet there are still some agents that feel that it's easier to run an office and list and sell at the same time. Now, we've agreed that, sure, if you've got scale and you're entrepreneurial and, 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 and you know, that there's efficiencies there, it's, it is possible, but it's just what is your number one objective? Is it status or service? What's your number one objective? Is it profitability or is it to have your name on the door? Mm-hmm. Because... You know, a lot of people think that that's a step towards wealth creation where wealth creation can be easily developed by investing in real estate, by investing in other areas. Um, and we know that listing and selling uh, generates incredible GCI, which we call commission um, income, um, and that provides opportunities, yeah. you know. And in, and in Michael's case, he's created a really terrific EBU structure where he's got the associate agents, you've got the general manager who now, and I know I think it's since we had a chat, Michael, because I'm saying now that all roles within EBUs have need to have some form of income generation attached to them. Mm. So I, I think that's probably why Sarah now might be doing a little bit of past client calls or whatever the case mm. may be. Um, so I think that's brilliant. And also I think you use some offshore virtual assistance as well. Yes, that's a big one because, I mean, yeah. Sarah's role with the, with the checklist that I've got in every facet of the business and obviously what we want as touch points with all our clients, yeah. um, Sarah's role got quite heavy quite quick yes. with the activity that we were doing and, yeah. and we're selling between sort of 70 to 80 properties a year at the moment. So it's 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 quite a heavy role, Sarah. So what we did is we um, put on a, an offshore assistant as well um, and that, that's worked out fantastic. We've basically outsourced the, what, what I call non-dollar productive tasks, yes. um, more the database management, data entry, um, just the, the weekly stuff that Sarah doesn't have to do and it's not going to change our world. Yep. Um, so now that that's in place, it frees up Sarah's time to do the dollar productive side of things it's and brilliant. add the income. It's brilliant, Troy, because this is something that we're offering to a few of our agents now, um, this virtual assistant, because what I find is the non-dollar productive activities actually fall into two categories. One is the out-of-office non-dollar productive activities, mm-hmm. which is attending pest and building inspections, showing a valuer through after the property sold, showing a buyer through after the property sold, mm-hmm. 
result to measure up whether the bed fits in the bed. Now, these are all very important things, yeah. but they're not things that someone necessarily uh, uh, needs to do that are worth $300 an hour, maybe $80 an hour, right? Mm. Then you've got the in-office non-dollar productive activity. Now, it's obvious that the virtual assistant can't do the out-of-office ones, but they can do the in-office non-dollar productive activity. So that... Therefore, we're freeing up Sarah to do the customer-centric, non-dollar productive, out-of-office activities, if mm -hmm. you like, mm -hmm. which is value-add, 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 value-add. And then the in-office stuff, which is database entry things, really, we're not saying that's beneath Sarah, but to a degree we are, uh, in a sense, in terms of what is her value. Yep. Where's her best uh, and highest and best use as a GM of Michael's team, as an EA of Michael's team? So it's an interesting paradigm. There's been a definite shift, Adrian, and we've noticed it over the last 18 months, mm. uh, definitely within our business around that uh, red administration type heavy operational role, moving more to that dollar productive activity stuff. And, you know, the debate also, like we had a couple of weeks ago, would be that even meeting a buyer after the property's been sold to them for them to measure up the bid, that's actually a client relationship and building those clients for life. So you could equally say that that's a form of prospecting future business, you know, in the next three, five, seven, ten years. It's a really important part. Um, for those that are interested in knowing what different types of activities you're doing to differentiate yourself out in the market. Um, you're very strong auction focused. Mm -hmm. uh, out of the 80 properties that you're selling, probably 70, 80% of those would be focused around auction. Yep. You've also got a really clear uh, client nurture strategy. As in vendors that are likely to sell in the next 3, 6, 12 months, um, your touch points with them are actually intimate. They're, they're nurtured throughout the process. Yeah. They're not just an email and forget about it. Do you want to touch on that? Because I think that's actually a really important part of your business strategy, knowing that your team is actively out there nurturing clients and really holding their hand every step of the way. Yeah. So we've got, we've got what we call normal activity calls and prospecting calls like every agent. Um, but the, the way that the database works, I've got trails attached to certain clients and um, basically we've got one called the established client trail. Um, now, that's any buyer or seller or what I call a platinum referrer. So if, if someone's sort of referred business to me but may have never sold through me, they'll go on that list as well. And then those clients, I, I try and have a goal of around 20 to 30 a week. So just to touch base with those and, and just give them a quick customer service call just to see how, how their life's going, what value they've added to the property, have they done any renovations since they've bought or sold. Um, they still do get the emails and SMSs. So... Um, just by being on the database, they get SMSs when a property sold in their street. Um, they get the emails, obviously, every six and, and nine months and 12 months in regards to the anniversaries and updates. Um, so there is that constant activity. Um, but ideally, like you said, the, the client nurture is there because when I, when I see someone at an auction um, because they've been invited personally by me, it's mm -hmm. not just because they've seen the sign and, and come down and they haven't heard from me in that period of time. Uh, that's the big key. And that happened on the weekend at, at Hancock Street in Ride client down the road i sold them the property five years ago i've been in touch with them twice in the last four weeks uh, before that i spoke to them about three or three or four months ago somewhere around there and then um yeah touched base with them last sort of three four weeks twice and they came down to the auction on the weekend had a good chat with them they're thinking about upgrading now and i'm going to go down and appraise that one probably next week they're just sort of at the starting phase but because they feel as though they've had that relationship it's not mm. just a hit and hope 
Yeah. Um, we're, we're constantly in contact. And Adrian, that's really similar to your strategy that you've adopted and have uh, worked in your business for the last 26 years, in excess of 26 years. Of, it's not just one single thing that actually gets people engaged with you and creates an attraction business. It's actually a layered approach. So it's the fact that they are getting the anniversary, the email updates, the SMSs around sold properties, the SMSs around just listed calls. All of those create a business of attraction. And I think that's probably, Michael, where your business is at. Um, having mm. gone through those highs and lows of building and chasing and, and getting more business on the back of successful sales, mm. you now have a really strong client base. And, and the clients that you have in your markets, they're actually attracted to you all the time. And, I, and I've noticed this myself, Adrian, being, being witness to it at your opens and auctions. People will come up and they'll have chats to yourself mm. and Chris and to Johnny and to Bianca and Sarah and everyone there because they, they feel like they know you. Mm. It's not just a chat about, oh, what's it going to go for? It's actually like, oh, how? the rest of the day being going, Michael, mm. so you had another four listings. They're actually kind yeah. of real estate fans, yeah. uh, or at least they portray that out in the market. And I think that's a really good point of difference. So for anyone mm. listening to this podcast, mm. wanting to really establish themselves in a market, it's being customer centric. It's understanding what the customer needs and being there to help them along the way, not just being transactional. Because I think mm. a lot of agents are still falling into that trap of, I just need another sale because that's going to keep the bills being paid and the next bit of business coming through the door. Yeah. It's actually, you've taken a very much a long-term approach and created those clients for life. Yeah, hundred percent. And when you touched on there, we have good chats with our clients at auctions. Like I've made no secret that I've tried to get my family integrated into the local community. I don't live locally in right. So we've sort of had to come up with ideas on how to, how to sort of integrate ourselves into the local community. And so many clients that, I, I sort of haven't seen face to face, but have spoken to over the phone. They know that I've got three kids now. They know Bianca's off work at the moment on maternity leave, so that they know all this information mm-hmm. about me because we're very big on social media and spreading that through the community as well. So, so when they do come up to an auction and, and they see me there, they don't feel shy about coming up to me and having a chat. And that's that's what you touched on there. It's a pretty big key. Yeah, I love that. And Barbara Corkin talked a lot about that. Troy and Eric, uh, and she was just saying how affability is so underrated. In that, you know, what do business with people you like and. Have the lines been blurred between business and personal? Yes. The answer is yes. And you know what? That's not a bad thing because you're in the community, you are an agent, sure, but you're a human being first and you're you're ingrained in the fabric of the community. A very good friend of mine, you know, Troy, who I grew up with, uh, Anthony Bell, who's my accountant and a very successful business person, uh, also an order in Australia and has managed to pull off two Sydney to Hobart's, you know, he, he, he said to me that someone told him a while back, you know, don't, don't uh, do business with friends and he said, well, that'd be crazy because I'd have no business if that was the case, you know. So, so he he was he was one of the pioneers of that, and his whole business is is based on. And I do a lot of work closely with him, with his team around around you know increasing their productivity as well. And all of it is well, yes, the lines have been blurred, and that's a yeah. good thing, yeah. Michael. Um, social media, you talked about it. From from the outside, looking in, from Troy and I perspective, Troy often and I speak about it, is you're, you're doing it better, if not best, out of anyone in the group, I would say. Okay. Um, and you're probably listening to us thinking, wow, okay, that's a nice compliment and it's probably not that strategic what we do, but we're doing it okay mm. and you probably think you could do it better. But that, and that's a metaphor on how simple it probably really yeah. is, right? Mm-hmm. So if you could just talk us through your social media strategy, both personal marketing-wise and property marketing-wise, including the Facebook 
group with the ride local mums because I think that's yeah, really sure. important. Yeah, Thanks yeah. So, so um, I think one thing with social media is that people try to be too cute and too perfect. Yeah, that's the first thing that I tried not to do. So, I think initially, I mean. Stefan's very similar to me. So both of us sat down initially and worked out where we wanted to put our sort of profile marketing. We knew where the market was heading. We knew uh, video is the big thing at the moment. So what we want to make sure for every single property is that we make sure the owners are on board, first of all. Mm -hmm. So our owners will put towards uh, video, which is usually $690, um, $695, I think it is. And that that basically uh, promotes the property higher through Facebook. So yes. you get more clicks and, and more natural audience. And you're personally presenting in that video? Yeah, yeah so we're good. personally presenting, walking through. Do you um, get resistance from the vendor when you're, when you're getting instructions and selling that as one of the marketing pieces? Um, sometimes we do if it's what they would perceive to be the wrong property for a video. Like right. most, yeah. most owners' That's automatic point, perception is that um, their property is not good enough or, or their property is going to sell for $1.2 million. Mine's not a $2 million property or $3 million property. Why do you do mind I have if we just that? role play that? Because I think that's really important. So yeah, if sure. I was there and the vendor and said, Michael, $700, I'll be honest with you, my property is only worth $1.1. I was under the impression that this video was for mansions. You know, that I, Is that really money we need to spend? Because already the, the internet's adding up a bit. Yeah, I agree, Adrian. I think the key is is we want to make sure we put your, your sort of marketing money to best use and I call it cost-effective marketing. So when we're sitting there talking at your auction in regards to is this buyer going to be the best buyer that's going to pay the most for your property, I don't want any question marks to be raised at that moment. And what I'm noticing with video at the moment is a couple of things, but the big thing is is that through social media, it's actually getting spread a lot more through social media than any other form. So as far as going viral, it gives your property more potential to go viral. But also one big thing that happens with property is you want to set your property apart from the rest. So if you're on the market at the same time as another one, and let's just say there's two properties on for 1.2 million, both going to auction on the same day, yours has been given a video, this one hasn't been given a video. The key is, is that why has that agent given that property a video? And if a buyer watches that video and comes to our auction, then they look at your property as though it is more prestige. Now, I want to make sure that the buyer goes to your property and not another property. So I would think that the video is going to give it that little bit of class to make sure that the buyer is going to turn up and pre-qualify themselves as a keen buyer for yours and not the other one. Gold, gold, gold. I'd be I'd be writing that down, guys. So, <laughs> yeah, so really what, what we're hearing there is, you know, it's less about Michael, less about McGrath. It's all about adding value to the client and talking through practical reasons why that $700 is worth it in weight and gold because he's, he's saying that Facebook or, or any social media enjoys the video algorithm to start with. Secondly, is is it provides a additional anointment or endorsement of your property despite it, say, only being worth 1.1 or 1.2 because mm. i got to say, uh, Mike, I used to get this question a lot um, in the marketplace um, when I was full-time selling around, you know, people say, oh, Adrian, but, you know, my, my, I'm only got a two-bedroom unit here in Coogee worth 900000 I thought you specialised in, in the high-end market, which was a complete uh, uh, misunderstanding and misalignment and very confusing for me because, you know, that was actually my bread and butter and I, I didn't actually dabble in that four or five million dollar space much at all so it was it was it was the the best response for me was 
you know, Michael, I really appreciate that. Firstly, I just want to let you know that that is a misconception. Secondly, is you're right on one part is that I tend to handle the best properties in each price point and yours falls into that category mm. because out of all the eight nine hundred dollar thousand dollar properties yours is in the best price of, of those mm. categories so just talking around the, that's the, the, the thing about it adrian and michael is it's actually price irrelevant mm. you know because you can have a two-bedroom apartment yeah. uh, going up in, in north right or west right and kind of have those uh, that position in that mm. um if there's property a and property b both mm. at the same price point both at the same configuration if we have a video it's going to be a talent it's going to attract those buyers mm. And I don't know about you guys, but we all have our eyeballs on social media pretty much 24 hours, seven days a week, whether that be Instagram, whether we're waiting for the next appointment, whether we're at the office sharing stuff. There's a big trend. People are tagging names and nothing else on the feed. So they're commenting someone else's name. That's the viral part. I think it's a really easy way. And if I see something I like, even though I'm not thinking about it, naturally if it's populated in that Facebook feed, if it's a video, I'm going to look at it. I'm going to stop scrolling up and down and I'm going to stop and watch it and share it as opposed to just seeing a static image. I think it's it's Mm. it's actually a golden opportunity for anyone that really wants to set themselves apart in the space of social media marketing. You're right, Adrian. The algorithm loves it. And we've been talking about it for quite a while. Let's be honest. We have been talking about video as a differentiator for quite a while. It's the adopters like uh, Michael, uh, people like Alex Minton, people like Will Ainsworth, people like Stefan Bertram within our business that have adopted this. Tracy Dixon, I can name so many that have adopted this strategy are definitely seeing the results from the clients for life. And we're going to see that continue further down the track. And I know I keep harping on about that, but I just think it's a really easy way for people to see that difference in the market. Michael, you mentioned... Just know, finish so, up the social part of yeah. it. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So so that's the one one part is obviously the $700 for the vendor. Yeah. What other components so every, for social media? Every single property that we take to the market has a $200 boost minimum. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it ranges between through Facebook, 200, through yeah. Facebook and Instagram. So $200 to $500 is sort of where most of my clients are. And is the vendor paying for that as well? Yeah. So right. that, okay. that's so part of the market package. The, the, the yeah. Listing, so that's yeah. all part of the package that we can add on and tailor to their to their needs. Um, now, we, what I decide at the time is whether that property, if, if they don't go for a video, for example, which a couple of my clients have, not everyone goes for it. Um, but I do what's called a coming soon video at the front of the property. So I'll do a, a database preview inspection on a Saturday morning or, or a Thursday night. And then after the clients have left, I'll, I'll stand out the front of the property or inside the property at somewhere interesting. And I'll basically just film a selfie video of myself there saying, we've just filmed, uh, not just filmed, we've just, we've just listed this property at Six Lardelli Drive here in Putney Hill. Um, this property is coming on the market next week. We just had our database preview inspection. This one's going to be a popular one. It's three bedrooms, two bathrooms, and so on and so on. Um, if you're interested, give me a call as soon as possible. All right. Now, that video boosted on Facebook has been rather successful as well recently because I've had a lot of properties get interest before the property's gone on realestate.com and domain mm-hmm. through that. Uh, that video we also SMS out to our database. So anyone on our database who has seen something similar to that property, um, the buyer manager, so Chris or Johnny, they will grab the link for that on Facebook and SMS it out to all the buyers. It could be 200, 300 buyers rather than them picking the phone up and calling every single one. They'll send that coming soon video out and it's pretty successful. And then you've got the Ride District Mums, which you touched on before. So I've got a marketing plan in place with them that uh, basically allows them to come to my auctions and, and write articles, um, video video open homes. Um, they'll do uh, meet and greets at certain parks and so on and ask questions about, about 
the right market and, and what's happening in regards to the banking at the moment and things like that that are going to affect the market. Mm-hmm. Um, now they've got over 5,000 members in, in Ride, Ride District Mums Group and um, I'm lucky enough now that my, my wife's now one of the admins on the page and, and assisting them with the page as well. So um, that's been something that's just helped us from day one and, and I saw that as a second database when I basically came into Absolutely. the McGrath brand. Yeah. I thought if the McGrath brand could integrate with something so powerful there, then, yeah, we can get, get out to the whole marketplace straight away with one touch. Brilliant. So that's your, your total social media strategy right there? Yeah. Okay. So cost to you ongoing? Uh, ongoing. Sorry, there is one more, the weekly video. Yes. Sorry, sorry so the, weekly Saturday, Saturday, the weekly Saturday, Saturday wrap. wrap. Yep. So, so the weekly Saturday wrap, that's basically done on a Saturday afternoon, mm-hmm. usually at a property that I've sold that day at the front or it could be back in the office if it's late at night or, or something like that. Um, but I'll just touch on how many groups came through open homes, um, what auction we had and the case study around that auction, mm-hmm. um, or if we've sold properties during the week, the case studies around that. Beautiful. So we'd be very transparent in regards to how the auction went or, or how the negotiation went. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll also boost that on social Good. media as well. So it sounds like high majority of this is, is, is client-funded, this mm-hmm. strategy of yours, this social media strategy, but ongoing cost to you, if any? About uh, 200 a week. For the enti- that entire strategy, yeah, right there, two hundred a week, incredible. Adrian, incredible. it's it's not incredible. just spam. That, that's yeah, the other yeah. thing. Like every point that Michael's spoken about is value add. Yeah, uh, whether it's you know reaching out to our properties information or whatever we've got going out there in the market. Yeah, um, it's value add stuff. So it's always about what's in the best interest of the client. How am I going to get back in front of them, or what's going to be the valuable piece that they're going to share with someone else? Yeah, um, it's a really easy strategy to adopt. And actually, that's what the, my next question was going to be was. <laughs> You know, your business strategy is very easy. Process, specialization, and efficiency. And every single step, I was going to talk about the uh, the Saturday afternoon wrap, Mm -hmm. um, at a property that you've just sold or back Mm -hmm. in the office, there's an efficiency piece there Mm -hmm. that allows your team to work functionally sound. Uh, And I think that's, you know, if you could summarize this episode as we're kind of getting to that 40-minute mark, time flies when you're having fun, Mm -hmm. um, that would be the three key elements that I noticed about Mm -hmm. Michael's business uh, and has been for the consistent part of the last five years at McGraw. Brilliant. Well, I think we've probably hit a record here, Troy. Yeah, it's probably the longest episode. And uh, (laughs) it's been very, very enjoyable. And I just want to quickly wrap up by saying, Michael, um, a lot of people may not know this, but you used to be in professional sports as a soccer player. What what disciplines have you taken from from that art or sport, if you like, into into your real estate business? Well, I think... um Troy just touched on it, like efficiency in every asset. Yeah. So, so aspects. So, I, I think one thing with professional sport, and, and you, you live and you learn. Like when I was a professional athlete, I, I probably wasn't the most disciplined and, mm. and um, ritualistic as far as preparation and, and making sure that my recovery was great. Um, I was notoriously known for being injured the most. So, so the key is is now now I'm in business. I wanted to take all the lessons from from that failure and make sure that I can sort of re-implement it into business in the correct way. Um, and I think yeah, it's helped me with the efficiency process and and obviously the recovery from anything that happens. Yeah, it's interesting that we mentioned uh, earlier just about that Saturday whip meeting they had. No injuries because guess what? They're visualising, they're role-playing and that process plays out. So this has been awesome. Great fun to catch up, Mike. I really appreciate it. Michael's a very loyal and successful uh, team member of McGrath and, uh, yeah, I'm sure the three of us will all retire together one day and uh, it's been great chatting with you. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Perfect. Listeners, you've heard it here first. 
first, make sure you visit iTunes uh, to follow Michael. Just search Michael Dowling on any social media channel. Make sure you follow him on Instagram and Facebook, the two most used platforms for him. Keep an eye out for the videos. Uh, process will always win uh, when the process is done right. So keep out, keep an ear out as well for the next week's episode. We've got a couple more people coming on uh, the podcast. But make sure you visit the Adrian Boat Podcast. Rate us five stars on iTunes. Can't wait to see you all again next week.